0: Welcome to the Executive MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So as you may know, we launched the new applications for our Executive MBA and Part-Time MBA programs last week, and in honor of this occasion, we invited back on the show, friend of the podcast, Catherine Alford, to share her favorite tips and insights for Executive MBA and Part-Time MBA applicants. If you are planning to apply to either of these programs, in the coming months, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here is my interview with my admissions colleague, Director of Admissions, Catherine Alford. Catherine, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey Brett, thanks for having me.
0: Still our number one guest in terms of appearances and also a sentimental feel. Yes, our number one guest on the Exec MBA podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: It's really such an honor.
0: Well, Once again, we resume our annual tradition. The Executive MBA and Part-Time MBA applications are now live. What a week last week. We welcomed our new Executive MBA class of 2024, our Part-Time MBA class of 2025, and later that week, we launched the applications. There is a lot happening right now.
1: Yes, and it was also the first time Darden has ever hosted all of its students from all of its degree programs at the same time in Charlottesville on the North Browns.
0: I think it's fair to say it's week we will certainly remember how great was it to be out there on Flagler courtyard with about 600 MBA students from three different programs that was an amazing experience
1: there was a lot of energy a lot of smiles and a lot of pictures taken
0: Absolutely I think I am still liking LinkedIn posts from our newest professional degree students our executive MBA part-time MBA students I'm trying to keep up with them all they're all so excited to start their journeys it is a Wonderful thing to see them sharing the good news with their networks.
1: And you do such a great job commenting on all of their posts, so I can imagine that will take you some time.
0: I'm out here doing the good work. So, Catherine, it's great great to have this time with you. As I mentioned, this is an annual tradition. It feels like every time we launch our new application, we invite you on the podcast to share some tips and advice for our prospective applicants. And so, another year, another podcast episode, and of course, We've got two applications to talk about, the executive MBA and part-time MBA applications for the class that matriculates, I should say the classes that matriculate uh, next August, but there's actually a lot of similarity between these two applications. And I think it's fair to say as we begin this episode, a lot of what we're going to talk about here, I think is generally applicable for both populations. Mm
1: -hmm. Not only... The executive and part-time is also similar to the full-time. We talk a lot at Darden about it being there being one degree that we offer in MBA. So there's much more similarities between all of the formats than there are differences.
0: Well, let's talk about that, because I think one of our key pieces of advice for anyone approaching the Darden application is that this is not like a job application. This is not just you providing data and putting some information into an application and then sending it off to the admissions committee. It's actually a storytelling exercise. What do we mean by that advice?
1: Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that, because this is not a job interview. We are not looking for a certain set of technical skills that we need you to have in order for you to do the job. We're actually looking to build a really diverse class of students who come from all different backgrounds and walks of life, who have different professional backgrounds and have different career goals in mind. And so our goal on the admissions committee is to get to know you holistically. Uh, We talk a lot about focusing on this storytelling exercise, focusing on your narrative and giving us an opportunity to get to know you. One thing to keep in mind is that your story spans your entire lifetime. It doesn't start when you started working. It doesn't start when you started your time in the university. There are things that happen to us in our childhood where we grow up, the experiences that we have that shape who we are and the way we see the world. And so it's important for you to take some time to reflect on the experiences you had in your youth that you feel have helped to shape you into who you are today. And through your application and your interview, you will be able to share different parts of your story and connect them together with different themes that help show us who you are as a person, who you are as a leader, and who you are as a professional.
0: So much great advice there. I I love your emphasis around remembering that there's really kind of three key dimensions to any good or strong application uh, to the Darden School. There's the personal story, uh, there's also the academic story, and then of course there's the professional story, which encompasses not only what you've done from a career standpoint up to this point, but why an MBA, why Darden, and how you see this educational experience fitting into your professional goals short-term and long-term. And the application itself, you can't share everything about who you are. I always encourage applicants to think about it as an initial introduction. I've been working on our app tips playlist. This is actually something that exists out there on Podbean, on Spotify. I like to think about it as an admissions committee in a box where you can go step by step through the Darden application. Everything from researching schools to getting organized for the application process to actually navigating each element of the application. And one of the things that you hear pretty consistently through uh, those episodes is the importance of being intentional as you approach the application process, of course, in your research process, but also particularly having a plan being intentional as you approach the application. So open an application, just take some time to read through it, see what's required, and then think about your application priorities, what you absolutely want to make sure you share about yourself in that initial introduction, and then think about how each element of the application can help you advance that narrative. I wonder sometimes, Catherine, if people think about opening the application and just stopping at that point and then thinking about, okay, what do I want to share and how can the application help me share that information?
1: For me personally, I'd like to think about my story before I start reading through the application. I think the application is an opportunity for you to spotlight the different parts of your story. And if you start with the application questions, you can kind of get a little micro focus on these specific areas of who you are, whereas if you know your story going into the application, You can then see, oh, well, this essay is going to help me pull out this part of my story and this prompt will help me pull out this part of my story. And so you have more ownership over the application process rather than letting the application control you.
0: I really love that advice. Can we talk a little bit more about how you might develop your story before even approaching the application. So one of the tips that I've heard you share before is about sitting down with your resume. I think that resume is always a good place to start cuz you want to have your resume in a good place, you know, for example, when you approach your recommender uh, about potentially writing one of your recommendations or even, you know, talking about your story, thinking about what you're sharing. So one of the advice that, pieces of advice that I've heard you share before relates to kind of going line by line through your resume and asking why. You want to talk about that?
1: Sure. So the resume is a snapshot of your life to this point. Now I will add a disclaimer that it does not include your life. It should not include your life pre-college. Go ahead and wipe high school off of your resume at this point in your life. But you will need to do a little bit of reflection about your time prior to your resume and the things that you, the biggest takeaways from your childhood. But then go to your resume and look at your university line and ask yourself, why? Why this university? Why did I choose this major? Why did I choose to get involved in these specific clubs and activities? Why did I choose to take on a leadership role? Those are all important clues as to who you are as an individual and the things that you care about. Then move into your first professional experience. Why did you choose to work for this company? Was it because of the people that you met through the recruiting process? Was it because of a professional opportunity you knew this company would provide for you? Was it the location? Was it the salary? All of these things are important Uh, things to reflect on and think about before you apply to business school. And then continue that process of asking yourself at each line, why have you done all of these things? And I think you will start to really get some insights into your drivers and your motivators, which is what we are hoping to learn about through your application.
0: And for our listeners out there wondering, you know, people always ask what makes a strong application or application that stands out Uh, to Catherine's point here typically self-reflection, introspection, someone who's really done that self-work to understand their motivations. Of course, their motivations relative to business school and their their short-term and long-term goals. I also think sometimes friends and colleagues can be helpful to us as we approach this decision of applying to business school, even in terms of refining your story. Do you have any tips around, around those conversations?
1: Yes, I do think it's important to reach out to friends and also family, people who know you really well, and ask them what stands out to them about your professional experience. Ask them where they think you really shine, where your areas of strength are, where your opportunities for growth are, and just make sure it aligns with how you think about yourself. It might provide you with some extra insight and also some extra affirmation.
0: All right. So to our listeners, if you're, if you're hearing this advice, what we generally counsel is, okay, great. You're now ready to apply, but maybe slow down a little bit, get organized, think about the story that you want to share. And then as you open the application, think about, okay, these are my priorities. How can each part of the application help me advance the story, recognizing you're not going to be able to share everything about yourself in the application where you talk a little bit about the interview later on, that becomes a way for you to deepen the story that you at least introduced. Through your application so stay tuned more to come on that point but Catherine it feels like as we're talking about starting an application one of the common questions that we get from perspective students relates to when is a good time to apply and I'll offer a little color here about our deadlines for executive MBA and part-time MBA then I'll ask for your advice about how do you sort of think about which deadline so for those folks who are targeting our executive MBA application process you'll note that we have applications on the 10th of every month starting in September, and we'll go until the class fills. Uh, typically, we'll continue to work on the executive MBA class until the late spring or summer. It's not a lockstep applicant pool. People show up in the fall, winter, spring, and even oftentimes in the summer. People come to the realization that now is the right time for me at all times during the year. Part-time MBA, our first deadline's October 1, uh, and then we have a series of deadlines. We also have multiple deadlines for part-time MBA applicants, October 1, December 1, February 1, April 1, and June 1. And as with the executive MBA application process, we'll go until the class fills. I will note last year was our inaugural application cycle for the part-time MBA program. We just recruited the inaugural cohort of students. They started last week in Charlottesville. They're currently in their first week of evening classes, 68 students in in that cohort. And interestingly enough, pretty even representation across all of those rounds in the matriculated class. So we used all of the deadlines last year, um, but every cycle is a little bit different. So we'll see what, what this year brings. Catherine, so we offer multiple deadlines. We offer our busy working professional applicants flexibility. What to make of when to apply?
1: Right. So as you mentioned, we do offer a lot of different deadlines because people choose to apply and choose to pursue an MBA at all different times during the year. And so we have you no matter when you make the decision to apply to business school, we have a deadline for you. The most important thing you think about when deciding when to submit your application is when do you feel you are able to submit the strongest application. You don't want to rush your application. You want to be thoughtful about it and intentional about it and be proud of what you're ultimately submitting when you do hit the submit button. But at the same time, every seat is available and every scholarship dollar is available in the first round. And as we move through the admission season, we have fewer slots available and fewer scholarship dollars available. We, and as Brett mentioned, with the executive format, we will go into the spring and sometimes the summer. So it's a little bit of a gamble if you wait until the summertime, whether or not we have space, but we will have space all the way through the spring for sure.
0: Yeah, I appreciate all all of those points. I think sometimes folks, when they approach these processes, they may know the full-time MBA application process where you really have applicants generally lining up around a few deadlines, and then they look at all of these deadlines and they say, what does all this mean? And we just want to give you options so that you feel like you have flexibility. We know how much our working professional applicants are juggling as they're applying to business school. We found by offering multiple deadlines, it actually takes a little bit of the stress out of the process for applicants. You know that, okay, I'm pushing towards this deadline, but you know what, if life gets busy, if work gets busy and I have to shift to a later deadline, no problem. Uh, There's one, generally speaking, coming up around the corner. Um, Each Deadline functions like a discrete round. As I mentioned, we are in the process of recruiting for the students. Both of these classes, Executive MBA and Part-Time MBA, will matriculate August 2023. So all of these rounds are focused on that matriculation date. Each round has, if you'll spend some time with our deadlines page, you'll notice that there's a target interview window in which we'll conduct most, uh, if not all of the interviews. Now it is possible to be invited to interview all the way up until the decision release date. Uh, but we find that providing sort of a general time frame for interviews is helpful to candidates. There's also a decision release date and a deposit deadline, just so that you can generally plan out, okay, timing of things, particularly if you're navigating a lot at work or in life or potentially multiple application deadlines across schools. One of the general rules of thumb, as you think about these application processes, this is about three weeks from deadline to decision release, and then candidates, generally speaking, for the executive MBA or part-time MBA classes have about three weeks or so to finalize their decision. So things move quickly, so do your research, or as much research as you can, but know that there's absolutely still time for you to get the information you need, the answers you need, uh, if you are admitted, and Darden is an option for you before you have to finalize your decision. All right, Catherine, so that's deadlines as you're thinking about when to apply. Let's talk about what is needed to apply. Of course, the application itself has many parts, many elements. Uh, We talked earlier about how it is a storytelling exercise. I wanna talk about a few key elements of the application. I would say the ones that we typically get the most questions about. Let's Let's talk about the thing I think we easily probably could talk about for an entire episode, Test versus test waiver. So when folks get to the test score section of our executive MBA application or our part-time MBA application, uh, they will note that they have a choice uh, to provide a test score or to submit a test waiver request with their application. Uh, A couple of housekeeping notes here. So candidates are required to report all valid test scores. Uh, Well, What do we mean by valid test scores? Uh, Well, if you've taken the EA, GMAT, GRE, MCAT, LSAT, any of those tests, and your score has not been canceled or it is not expired, you are required to report that test score. Um, so just wanted to flag that particular instruction. You'll, you'll see that in the application, uh, but also a candidate could choose, um, let's say you haven't taken a test or you're weighing whether to take a test or submit a test waiver request, there is the option of submitting a test waiver request along with your application. And that evaluation for folks who submit a test waiver request happens in parallel with the application review process, and we provide an update at the time of decision. Now, Catherine, on our phone calls and our virtual chats, on webinars, we get a lot of questions about how do you pick one option or the other, Um, and how do you encourage candidates to think through this process?
1: Mm Well, as you mentioned, the test waiver is included in the application for the part-time and executive MBA programs, and it will be evaluated with the full application. The reason we asked for standardized test scores is that it is a measure of academic aptitude and readiness for the Darden MBA program. There are some students who take a step back from their application and looking at their academic transcript from their undergraduate experience, looking at their professional experience and the job function that they had, the skills they've used in their jobs, the extra certificates that they've gained that have been requirements of their previous professional experience. They feel that they speak highly of their students' ability to perform well in the Darting classroom. And so if you are one of those people who think you've demonstrated a really strong quantitative and qualitative, quantitative and qualitative background in your previous experience, then we would encourage you to think about using the test waiver option. For those of you who have done just fine, but think your application could use a little bit of an academic boost, by providing another data point for us to see your readiness for school, we encourage you to think about submitting a test score.
0: A Couple of things that you noted there, Catherine, that I think is really important. First of all, the hardest thing about this consideration is probably to take that step back, to think about your application, particularly along this academic readiness lines, as our admissions committee will, holistically, but also objectively. And we are talking about academic readiness for a Darden curriculum that has quantitative and qualitative courses, as you note. And at the end of the day, as an admissions committee, we want to feel like we're able to make an informed judgment that, yes, if we're going to admit someone to the program, we feel confident that they're going to be able to do the coursework that is required of them uh, to complete a Darden MBA. And so what information is available to us? As, as Catherine mentioned, we have degree-related coursework, we have non-degree-related coursework, uh, things like. Coursera courses, professional certifications, work responsibilities, uh, but a test score can be a way of providing a more recent data point regarding your academic readiness. I mentioned a number of standardized tests that we accept. We are test agnostic, meaning we view all of these tests equivalently in our executive MBA and part-time MBA processes. Interestingly enough, for the past five, six years, the executive assessment has been the most popular test amongst test takers uh, who have applied to our executive MBA program. Um, We have scores in our matriculated classes ranging from the low 140s to the high 160s. Average score is right around, typically right around 153, 154. Interestingly enough, last year, again, just one year of data, but the GMAT was the most popular test with part-time MBA applicants followed closely by the GRE. Uh, But we did see some EA executive assessment takers in the part-time NBA pool. Uh, I would note that for both of these programs, we still see a majority of matriculated students having submitted uh, a test score uh, with their materials, um, but we definitely see applicants who are applying with a test waiver. And again, the choice is yours, thinking about your background. Uh, the admissions process, it is worth noting, is holistic. We're going to look at a lot of information as we make that judgment about your academic readiness and, of course, who you're going to be here in the Darden community. I will note a test score can also play a role in the scholarship process. So as you're thinking strategically about the application process, it's also worth considering the scholarship process, particularly when you're weighing test score versus test waiver. Now, as I start down this path, I will note it's entirely possible to submit a test waiver request and receive a scholarship award that happens all the time. In our processes. But if you're an applicant for whom a scholarship award is going to be an important material part of your MBA decision-making process, just know that standardized test score is one of the merit criteria that our scholarship committee uses when making awards. And so having a test score can sometimes mean the difference between perhaps not receiving an award and, and receiving award, depending upon the strength of your test score, or it could mean that you have met multiple criteria in the scholarship review process, which could sometimes mean a larger award. And so I'll just note that a standardized test score can effectively be a way of broadening the data set that's available to the scholarship committee when making those decisions. So again, this is a little bit more of a strategic consideration. You have the admissions process, you have the scholarship process. The admissions process is very broad. The scholarship process focuses on a narrower data set and test score is one of them. All right, Catherine, we talked about test versus test waiver. Let's talk about I think one of the elements of the application where we start to feel like we can really get a sense of an applicant's voice, about who they are, um, as a person who they might be in the Darden community, uh, the short essay questions.
1: And I think, again, it's a good idea to think about what you want the committee to know about you before you even read the essay prompts, and then think about how to use the prompts to respond to the question and also share a little bit about who you are. As a reminder, I do think that the essays are probably the most overthought piece of the MBA application. People worry about them a lot because they are the part that you arguably have the most control over when you begin working on your application. But you are not applying to get a PhD in English literature. You do not need to write your essay like you did your essay for college when you might have started off an essay with a sentence like, it was a dark, cold, and rainy night. The rain batted off the windshield as I drove to my destination. Um, We just have some specific information we are trying to learn about you, and we just want to know what that is, and so read the prompt, think about how to do your best job responding to the prompt, write down your response, don't overthink it. Remember, we are not judging you on whether or not we think you're going to be a Nobel Prize winner in English literature. And have somebody that you know well, read the essay that you wrote and see if they can tell you what they think the prompt was. And if they can, then you know you've done a great job answering the question Darden has asked, and you can move on. It's also worth noting that essays that committees ask of applicants are, uh, we we are very thoughtful about the essays that we choose to ask, and so the prompts that we choose to give. And so the essays are actually communicating to you the values and the priorities of the university where you're applying. So pay attention to what the school's saying about themselves through the essay prompts and make sure it's a match for who you are.
0: I appreciate that point about the two-way conversation. You know, what's asked in the application being a way of communicating, hey, this is what's important here at the school, of course. For our executive MBA and part-time MBA applicants, there are multiple questions because we think that gives you a better opportunity to share about yourself. To Catherine's point, you only have so much real estate here. Uh, We're talking uh, maybe just a few hundred words at at most. And so it's probably a whittling down rather than a working up. I think that's probably fair to say, Catherine, I I was listening um, to you talk about undergraduate essays. I appreciate the sort of, I know you're a UVA alum. Maybe maybe you change channeled Edgar Allan Poe when applying to college. I I love that. So um, I will just say like, we're trying to get a sense of who you are. There is no right answer. It's much more about what you affirmatively want to communicate to the admissions committee. So think about these essay prompts as a way of giving you a platform to share about yourself. And again, where we started this conversation, this is about your story and your narrative. And of course the essays are a great opportunity for us to get a sense of your voice and we'll continue to learn more about you if you're invited uh, to an interview. But I think these, these conversations, well, within within the essay, they kind of set the stage for our understanding of who you might be in the community. So, um, Catherine, thank you for your insights uh, about, about the short essay questions. Let's come to another part of the application. I would note that this is the part of the application that the candidate is not going to fill out themselves, makes it a little bit well, it make, makes it unique in, in the application, um, the recommendation.
1: So the recommendation letter is probably the part of the application that we get the most number of questions about. The great thing about the letter of recommendation is that it is out there in the web. Um, you can Google the common letter of application, common letter of recommendation from GMAC, and read the questions that will be asked of your recommender, and then think through who will do the best job responding to these questions. The rule of thumb is that we like to have your recommendation letter come from a direct supervisor. However, we realize that that's not always going to be a good choice. First and foremost, you want to make sure this person who writes your recommendation letter likes you. Second, you may want to make sure that uh, the recommenda- recommender, the supervisor has worked with you for a long enough period of time to be able to comment on your performance. Sometimes, if you work for a consulting firm, you don't spend a lot of time interacting with your direct supervisor and you may feel more comfortable asking someone who's worked with you on different projects to write your recommendation letter. And then sometimes you might be an entrepreneur and you don't have a direct supervisor. So you have to think Uh, creatively about who has seen your work product, your work ethic, and has worked with you in a collaborative setting. And at the end of the day, it is a choice that you get to make as to who you think will do the best job writing your recommendation letter. The admissions committee is not going to be able to tell you who that person should be. You have to use your judgment. Yeah, I
0: think this falls within so many other Pieces of the application where you're making choices, right? This is your story. We're trying to get a sense of who you are. I think the recommendation has a lot of power because, of course, it's us hearing from someone other than you uh, about you. Uh, To Catherine's point, the prompts, so there's a ratings grid that the recommender will fill out where they assess you across a number of dimensions. And then there's three basic prompts. That the recommender would respond to. I think these are helpful to keep in mind as you think about potential recommenders. Um, first two are pretty straightforward. How do you know the applicant? How does the applicant compare to his or her peers? And then the third prompt is, what's one piece of critical feedback you have shared with the applicant? I really do think that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of rep- recommenders. Uh, so, as Catherine noted, we generally prefer, particularly in the professional degree programs, uh, Executive MBA and part-time MBA applicants, we do prefer. To hear from your current supervisor. We want to know that you've talked with that person about your interest in pursuing uh, this degree and participating in this program because you will have to miss days of work um, to partic- participate in both of these programs. It's really important that the person who authorizes your time is one, understands your desire, your motivation to pursue uh, this degree. He's also supportive uh, of this idea. We encourage candidates to begin these conversations early, often not just with people at work, but also with folks at home uh, because of the time commitment uh, and and that the program entails. Now, also note, to Catherine's point, current supervisor may not necessarily be the right decision for everyone. Uh, Maybe a new relationship, you may be in a new role. That person may not necessarily have worked as closely with you as someone else in the organization. Uh, The additional comments section of the application is a essentially a blank space in the application for you to pr- provide any additional information you think would be helpful to our admissions committee. So, I will note here, if you pick someone other than your current supervisor to be your recommender, generally advisable to use the additional comment section of the application to help us understand your recommender choice. Because I will say, I and mean, Catherine, when I see that and it's someone other than the current supervisor, I do sometimes have a question, like, well, why not the current supervisor? And I think it's always good in those kind of ambiguous situations in the application for the applicant to provide more information to actually speak directly to the choice.
1: Yeah, I agree. And we do allow you to submit more than one letter of recommendation. Brett, in what circumstance would you suggest someone submit more than one letter of recommendation?
0: Well, I think this gets back to where we started this conversation and thinking about your story and thinking about What one recommender can say about you and how that person's perspective can contribute to your story? And do you think that there's someone else out there? Again, it's not necessary. It's not required. It's an additional recommendation. Uh, You can submit up to two. So is there another person that you think is really important to have their perspective captured in your application as you introduce yourself to the admissions committee, as you tell your story? the application materials. Again, we're we're looking for an additional perspective, uh, a complementary perspective perhaps, um, but new information, something that's not necessarily redundant or repetitive of what we got from the first recommendation. Um, That's how I think about it, Catherine. How do you think about it?
1: I feel the same way, but I would encourage you to steer more toward the professional side of your life rather than personal and volunteer.
0: I think that's a good point because again, we are thinking about your future in professional environments and certainly business school is while an academic environment is also a professional environment because the focus is on helping you grow as a leader, as a manager, as a, as a business professional. I think professional recommendations are generally preferred in, in our process. But of course, we're always happy to answer any questions that you have. We're not going to be able to tell you what recommender. You might choose but if you have any sort of logistical questions i I will just flag this here Um, the recommendation process is completely electronic so once you put your recommender's information into the application they should we'll say should receive an email with a link to the recommendation materials now that email occasionally gets caught in spam filters doesn't necessarily always make it to the recommender so after you put their information in circle back a day or two later to say hey do you have any questions about the recommendation uh, materials? Is there anything I can help with? Just to make sure that they received it. I will note once they submit the recommendation, you will receive an email. You'll know that they have received they have submitted their recommendation. And a red X on your application status page will change to a green check mark. And last piece of advice, the recommendation I would file under one of the slower parts of the application. I used air quotes, it doesn't necessarily come through on the podcast, but I think it's fair to say that the other parts of the application, you're in control of the timing, you know, you're working on your application, you're filling this out. Recommenders tend to be pretty deadline driven. So make sure your recommender knows the application deadline you're targeting. Generally speaking, we do have some flexibility for a recommender who might need another day or two, but we really do encourage applicants to encourage their recommender to submit the recommendation uh, by the target deadline. All right, interviews, Catherine. Probably our favorite part of the application process. We always enjoy reading applications, but there's nothing quite like getting to sit down with an applicant for 30, 35 minutes, hearing directly from them their story. So I'm going to say this about our interviews, and I want you to explain what all this means. So our interviews are anonymous and conversational. What does that mean? (laughs)
1: I don't think there's another interview in the world that is similar to the Darden interview. It is very unique. And the good news is that there is no shortage of information on our website about the Darden interview, from podcasts to YouTube videos, to blog articles, to webinars, you name it, we have it out there. The Darden interview is anonymous, which means the interviewer has not seen your application nor your resume prior to meeting you. So coming into the interview, the only thing the interviewer will know about you is your name. They will not bring your resume with them to the interview. This is really intended to be a conversation. Why do we need a resume when we have you? And so this is the opportunity for you to share with the admissions committee your story, your narrative from the time you were born to where you are today and your goals for your future. And it's really fun. It's really conversational. It's an opportunity for you to highlight your accomplishments, your leadership successes, your drive, your interest, your passions, and how you feel The and MBA can help you get to where you're going.
0: One thing I will note here for our listeners is that might sound like a lot, and it is, and you have a limited amount of time. So you will want to practice. I think sometimes when people hear conversational interview, they're like, oh, okay, I'll talk about myself all the time. Next thing you know, you get into the interview and you're about 20 minutes in and you're still somewhere in the eighth grade. So I think it's worth noting that you want to practice. Find a friend, a colleague, somebody who knows you well. And bear in mind, to Catherine's point, you know, there's a fair amount of time you're trying to cover here and you want to engage in self-reflection as you tell your story. And so what do we mean by that? Well, let's give an example here, Catherine. I'm also curious what example you might pick. So when we say we want you to be reflective as you tell your story, it's not just saying, okay, I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and I studied English and then I decided to go to law school. It's helping us understand, well, why did you go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill? Why English? Did you consider anything else? What led you to that path? What did you really enjoy about that major? How did you decide to go to law school instead of another path? This is my story, by the way. Um, And I think it's that richness, the richness in the interview really comes in that reflection, that, that self-awareness as you bring to Catherine's point when we started this conversation, as you bring the person into the decision-making process that you've engaged in as you progress through your life and your career. So, Catherine, how do you encourage people to engage in this reflection, this introspection during the interview?
1: It kind of goes back to that um, going through your resume and asking yourself why. That's essentially what the Darden interview is. Don't put too much pressure on yourself, though, to be particularly profound in your choice of where you went to your university. I mean, you were 17 years old when you made that choice. And I, I will confess on this podcast that one of the major reasons I chose the University of Virginia was because I liked the t-shirt with the V and the sabers, and that is motivated me to apply to the school. Now, obviously, there were other reasons, factors that went into my decision to actually enroll at the university, but that was a big influence to a 17-year-old girl who cared about what she wore and how she looked. She wanted to be cool, um, and she thought that look made her look cool. And so, we do ask you to think back on the choices that you've made and what motivated you to do the different things that you've done. Uh, We talk a lot at Darden about the three-legged stool, about how you have a professional dimension, a personal dimension, and an academic dimension. And in your Darden interview, we are hoping to have a strong understanding of all three of those pieces of who you are, not just any one of those pieces, to see who you are holistically. And if we feel we can help you get to where you want to go.
0: I want to channel our boss, uh, Dean of Admissions, Donna Clark, who in one of our App Tips podcast episodes was talking about the importance of stories uh, in the application process, but also in the interview process. So, for example, people say things like, oh, I'm a team player, you know. for example, in the interview all the time. But what she had encouraged applicants to think about is like, well, do you have an example of how you're a team player or your leadership style? or say you are someone that really enjoys global travel. right? You could just leave that as a statement on the surface, but, or maybe you end up talking about a recent trip that you've taken, or all the countries you visited, the languages that you learned. Um, all of this stuff really helps fill out your overall story. And it's worth noting after these interviews, your interviewer will sit down and write up what was discussed during the interview. That will become part of your application and be part of what the admissions committee reviews when making a final decision. Now, just a one more housekeeping note on interviews. Interviews are by invitation, invitation only in our Executive MBA and part-time MBA application processes. Catherine, if someone is invited for an interview, though they should be excited, it does mean that you are being considered for an offer of admission because the interview is necessary to receive an offer of admission. So good news if you're invited to interview.
1: Yes, good news indeed. And just a little tip, don't forget to become prepared with your a photo ID. We will ask you that. The first thing in the interview is to show a photo ID. And even though these interviews are virtual, you should be treating them as if they were in person. You should be dressed professionally and, um, and prepared. You should know exactly what to expect because we have, again, a lot of resources out there.
0: Yeah, I cannot encourage you more to take a listen to our interview tips podcast episode, to read our blog posts, to watch those webinars Catherine mentioned, um, because they will re- try to be as transparent as possible about this about this interview, because it is different than what people are used to when it comes to interviews. People are so used to behavioral interviews at this point. Tell me about a time when, what are three words that describe all these kinds of questions? And that is not the frame of this conversation. This is an opportunity for you to really tell your story. I think one of the great things about this, Catherine, getting back to something that you mentioned before, is that when you sit down for a conversational interview that's structured as the Darden interview is, you are in control of your narrative. You are really choosing what you are sharing as opposed to a behavioral interview where you're just reacting to questions that someone else is asking and trying to push your story uh, around those questions. I think that the Darden interview approach gives... Uh, the applicant an incredible opportunity to tell us who they are and for us to get a sense of maybe some things that are harder to judge from the application itself, Uh, communication style, presence, how they might relate to classmates, um, these kinds of things.
1: It's also an opportunity for you to come with some questions about the program. Um, Make sure you've done enough research to be at a point where you do have questions and there are things that you want to learn more about. And also remember that you're also trying to learn about Darden and whether or not it's the right place for you. And so use the interview as an opportunity to learn more about the school and assess how you feel um, you fit there.
0: All right, Catherine, as we wrap up, any final words of advice, a final tip that you encourage applicants to keep in mind as they, as they think about their Darden application?
1: I would encourage you to be proud of your story, no matter what it is. There is no particular cookie that we are looking for in this process. We're looking for people who bring a broad range of experiences and, um, and circumstances into the class. And so be proud of where you come, you've come from. If you're at the point in your life where you're thinking about making a big investment in your, in yourself and in your future, that's something to be really proud of. And so Be proud of everything you've accomplished up to this point and be excited to share.
0: I love that point. And the thing that I think is really important for our prospective students, for our applicants to keep in mind, is that when we're building a class, we are building for the Darden classroom and for the Darden community. We want as many different kinds of people in the room as possible. You know one thing about Darden at this point, you likely know that it's case method school. uh, It's a participatory learning environment. Students really are actively engaged in discussion in the classroom. And when we're thinking as an admissions committee about that discussion, we realize the more difference is present in the classroom, the more different backgrounds, experiences, work experience, lived experience, et cetera, it's present there, the richer, the more vibrant, that discussion will be. And I think it's also one of the great truths of the Darden community that people who are attracted to that kind of learning experience also want to be very engaged outside of the classroom typically. We see clubs and organizations uh, sprout up all the time with our executive MBA students. We've already had part-time MBA students asking about clubs and organizations. And people are really, they really enjoy getting to know each other and investing in relationships with their classmates. And I think that's a natural outgrowth, you know, the self-selection of who chooses uh, this program. At least that's how I think about it, Catherine.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I love the conversation I had this week with one of our incoming students, and he said, "Y'all did not talk enough about the network." And he said, "I networking just sounds, you know, yeah, that's a part of your MBA program because this is such a bigger thing than networking." He was like, "This is like meeting your family. You really get to know these people and build deep and meaningful relationships with these people." And so, um, the who's investing in you um, you're investing in the experience and this is just a, a, a ride you're about to enter that you should get really excited about and be really enthusiastic about.
0: Well, Catherine, I can think of no better way to wrap up this conversation than with those sentiments. So thank you as always for coming on the podcast, for sharing your expert advice and tips for our listeners and to our listeners, best of luck as you work on your Darden application
1: look forward to getting to know
0: you everyone. And that was our spotlight on the Executive MBA and part-time MBA application processes featuring my admissions colleague, Director of Admissions, Catherine Althoff. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.